welcome to Build Momentum, where we make PR easy for education organizations. We're so glad you're joining us today. We couldn't be more excited to dive in and help education organizations achieve bigger results with PR. In this podcast, our goal is to make PR easy for nonprofits, startups, research institutes, and schools. You can count on learning how to develop simple, replicable PR strategies and how to execute on those strategies. I'm your host, Sarah Williamson, and I've spent the past 15 years working in public relations where I've been able to understand what works and what doesn't when it comes to PR and how to land results that build your credibility. I will share my tips for success and interview others who have done the same to provide you with a PR framework that you can use within your own organizations. If you're looking to increase brand awareness, to enhance your profile and stand out from the crowd, and you want to learn simple, actionable strategies to do it, you're in the right place. If you haven't already, be sure to check out my latest free guide, how to write a killer case study, even if you don't have data. You can find it at casestudy.swpr-group.com. That's casestudy.swpr-group.com. On today's episode, we're so fortunate to have two stellar guests on the show. To kick off our killer duo is Jeannie Marie Price, a communications executive who has spent more than 20 years developing and executing effective strategies for higher education and nonprofits. Most recently, Jeannie Marie worked for All Hands Raised, an education nonprofit committed to relentlessly and systematically connecting the community's diverse assets with the explicit goal of working in new ways together to improve kids' success inside and outside of school. And we also have Terry Tyson. Terry is the founder of T2 Consulting, where she develops initiatives and sustains community relationships across corporate, foundation, government, and nonprofit sectors. She helps businesses and nonprofits understand and increase capacity and values-driven deliverables, including strategic planning, organizational development, social impact, B Corp, equity, and community engagement. I'm so excited to have both of you on the show with me today. Welcome. Yay. I'm excited to be here. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah. Thanks for having Terry and I. Yeah, of course. So before we get started, we should talk about how you two have worked for three different organizations over the last 20 years as a powerhouse communications and development team to inform and drive each organization's strategic plan. So that is a pretty impressive combination. It's great to have both of you here to share your successes with us. So I know out of necessity, many organizations combine the roles of marketing and development. However, I've heard that both of you feel like communication and development are a living, breathing part of the work done together to support the mission of an organization. Could you tell me more about that, Terry? Sure. So I think that what Jeannie and Marie and I have learned through trial and error over the years <laughs> is not to have siloed roles, of course, because often these roles, as you mentioned, are blended, but to just acknowledge that there's a real dynamic relationship between communications and investor engagement and it's important to have a focus um, that's on adaptable strategies that continue continue to, over the long haul, contribute to the sustaining of your organization's mission. Jeannie Marie, would you agree? I do agree. I, I think I'd add too, you know, when you talk about target audiences and target audience strategy in, in most nonprofit and education spaces, there are um, investors, key investors that are a target audience. And so, in those instances, the communications person and, and the and the person or team that's that's charged with managing those investors need to be synced up. But as well, there really needs to be at the highest level a strategic messaging sync up 
that ensures that all of the audiences are getting those compelling messages because there are often future um, investors in other audience groups that might come over. And so making sure there's alignment um, and agreement and that you're um, in lockstep together is really critical to ensure the success of an organization. Beautiful. Okay, that's great. So it requires, it sounds like a delicate balance to effectively communicate an organizational mission to potential funders and investors while also sustaining those investments over the long term. Wouldn't we all like to know the secret to that? (laughs) (laughs) Could you both share examples of how you've seen this work well in the past? Yeah, sure. I'll dive in. I think that, you know, what really drives all of this is obviously an organization's leadership. So working closely with your CEO or executive director and your board to uh, figure out where their heads are at in terms of how we're going to meet our goals and what the strategic plan is, and then creating in concert with a communications person on your team, or, you know, in some cases where it's blended just with yourself, working with leadership to come up with an annual plan that kind of stages out where those touch points with our target audiences, what are those messages, how are we uh, tailoring relationships in terms of, you know, what does this corporation really want to hear and need? And how are we making sure that it's not a tail wagging the dog scenario where they're getting what they need out of the relationship, but we're also getting what we need in terms of achieving those goals? Yeah. And I would, I would echo what Terry is saying about leadership. Um, Terry and I have been really fortunate to work in organizations where um, the leadership sees the critical role that communications and revenue generation plays in the overarching strategy for the organization organization. So we have been very lucky to be at the tables where decisions are being made and we're influencing um, those decisions because of the unique perspective and expertise we bring. When you make a decision about the strategic direction of an organization, it impacts how and who you're communicating to and how and who you're securing investments from or renewing investments from. And so, you know, that's not always the case in every organization. I just want to say we've been very lucky to be in those organizations, but I always advocate that individuals in these types of roles make the case and really try to be an asset to the leadership teams if they're not already a part of them so that they can really demonstrate the critical importance of having these roles at the table's influencing policy and decision-making. Yeah, that's that's great, Jeannie Marie. And I'm curious, do you believe that a, the communication of an organization's mission is really a key component to cultivating these relationships and ultimately securing funding? Absolutely. Um, we, uh, at the last nonprofit where Terry and I worked, we published a a pretty significant um, publication every other year that told the story of the work. I mean, the the unique posture that I come from is that communications is a part of the work, not an add-on after. And so in that frame of developing this unique tool that communicated the mission, that's great. Like it's a ton of work to create a publication that's meaningful and digestible and clear and meets the objectives and really advances the organization through a storytelling lens. But then How do you use that to further the work with investors? How do you use the things that you're doing as a communications practitioner to really get the mission deeply embedded in the hearts and minds of your of your investors and those that you're trying to get to invest. And so Terry and I partnered very closely on, you know, okay, you created it. Okay, you put it on your website or put it in the mail. But what was the personal touch? How do you develop a voice around that? How do you make sure that an investor feels Um, you know, for lack of a better term, invested in that piece of work? And then 
helps you tell the story to their peers and really, you know, for lack of a better term, spreads the gospel of the work, right? And so how do you turn those individuals into the good, the good doer, tell, you know, the good storytellers on behalf of the organization? It's one thing for Terry or I to say, we're doing this great work, or here's our mission. It's another thing for key leaders in the community to share what their impact of the mission is or why they think it's so important. I don't know, Terry, does that capture? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, just sort of parlaying off what you said about that amazing tool that you, that you created from um, the communications part of things, then taking that tool and figuring out how it's tailored for audiences. I mean, for example, in some cases, we had a, a PowerPoint based on that where we would visit donors or investors or potential investors individually. In some cases, we invited groups of them to our office to do a data walk that was connected to the information that we had shared in the publication that Jeannie Marie is is talking about. Another um, kind of tactic we used was we brought together a roundtable of current investors and ask them to interact with the piece and give us feedback on it. You know, is this how you interpret um, our results? How do you see things differently? Where do you think we could be doing better? So it was, it's really like collaborative engagement. Um, so it's not that just this stale piece of information that we, we publish once and we mail out and we're done with. It was a living, breathing document that, that we kept engaging with, kept improving and, um, and using throughout the course of the year. I love that you shared that because I feel like sometimes people think they have to continue creating new content or new new pieces of information, reinventing the wheel every time. But it's so important to consider maybe you create one thing and then go back to that over and over and, and use it again and again. So very good reminder there. So are there any other examples or tangible examples of how you've been able to do this? That's a beautiful example with the publication you put together. Are there any others that you want to share with us today? You know, one of the um, the key components that we utilized was um, different kinds of events, you know, whether it was a large fundraising gala type event or whether it was a smaller, more collaborative uh, information and community meeting type of event. We really spent a lot of time methodically thinking through not only the messaging and the script and the pieces and the engagement, but how can we weave in the storytelling? How can we share what's happening in a way that's compelling and interesting and pulls on the, the heartstrings of our community um, to ensure a deeper engagement? You know, it's one thing to have an event or have a publication or have a news article, but that comes in. I mean, people are, we live in Twitter time, right? Something comes in your ear and out your ear, but how can you really create more of a deep engagement and just relentless stewardship using those tools? Terry, what would you? Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things that is just really important to keep reminding ourselves about is that every person receives what we communicate differently and has preferred modes of receiving information. And so keeping that in mind and always revisiting it, depending on your audience and refreshing it and improving it. I mean, that is a cycle that that we went through all the time. Here's corporate investor A. This is what we know they like to hear from us. This is how they like us to recognize them. This is how they like to be steward. But then you have corporate example B, which is completely different, right? And just one size does not fit all. And it is very time consuming. But over the long haul, I think that Jeannie Marie and I both have seen that it really pays off. Play the long game, right? Yes, yes. Beautiful. That's a perfect segue to my next question. Do you have any poor communication strategies that you could share with our listeners that you've used over the years together? 
any specific examples of things that you've done every single year that might be replicated. Are you an education leader, the leader of an ed tech company, or a member of an organization supporting education? We continue to hear from leaders like you who have a story to tell, a message to share, or an important initiative that needs greater awareness. Three years ago, that's exactly what we heard from Doug Roberts, the CEO of the Institute for Education Innovation, when he approached SWPR Group. This led to the launch of a groundbreaking new award that was unlike any other in EdTech. The Soup's Choice Awards, judged exclusively by K-12 superintendents, set IEI on a path to market dominance, increasing vendor partners and superintendent members by more than 30% year over year. Jamie Candy, the CEO of Edmentum, shared with SWPR Group the EdTech company's desire to tell district success stories and to elevate the leaders behind their organization in a more thoughtful and strategic way. Throughout the past two years, SWPR Group has established consistent and regular media coverage, authored compelling op-eds, and secured interviews highlighting success stories while also inserting Edmentum into timely topics like AI with national reporters. At SWPR Group, we provide public relations, communication strategies, and thought leadership support for today's change makers and the brands they champion. We work together with our clients to bring their mission to life by consistently delivering high quality content, creative communication strategies, and transformational results. What story do you want to tell? Reach out to us using the link in the show notes or visit our website at swpr-group.com. Well, I think we've touched on a lot of them. I the important thing though is that Terry and I and and really Terry and I with other colleagues on our staff. So it wasn't just about her and I, but because we had a relentless focus on stewardship and a methodical ap- approach to being strategic and keeping the organization's mission and what are we trying to achieve at the front and center. It was just constant communication. It was you know, the, the no look pass, but we check, you know, checking things like, Hey, I have this email drafted to this donor. How does that sound? Oh, I'm sending out this communication to this editor of this publication. Does this align with what you just sent to, you know, the corporate leaders that are, are donating to make sure there's alignment. And while that sounds coming out of my mouth, inefficient, it was totally efficient because it saved us so much time and headaches in tripping over each other or making mistakes. It was this just constant staying synced up to ensure you were, and also to ensure keeping the strategic objective at the front and center. It is very easy to get distracted and to let people influence, you know, create noise like, oh, why don't you have more hits in, in the Oregonian? Or why don't you have, haven't you reached out to the business journal or, you know, whatever publication it is. And it's like, because that's not going to achieve our goal. And we're really focused on achieving our goal. I, I mean, I think that's one of the the things that sticks out for me. I'm sure it might be different for Terry. Yeah, I know. I totally agree. I think the other component that is really important in terms of tools and tactics and keeping keeping focused is we've been fortunate to have really good teammates at every organization we've worked at and keeping everybody, you know, we would have regular team meetings with the folks who all intersected with the audiences that we're talking about and that we were trying to align around our shared goals and what we wanted to achieve. And 
when you take that time to do it, and again, it's time and everybody's busy, but take that time to get everybody on the same page. These are our messages. These are our goals. This is what we want to achieve. Does that still resonate with everybody? Is that still the right direction? So just always kind of doing that loop. Um, And it seems tedious, but again, it's the long game and it really paid off. I think in my head, I'm hearing two things that are resonating from our time, like little catchphrases. and, And one was bring people along and the other was buy time. So I think we're also very quick to be in a hurry right now. Oh, they need a response right this minute. Instantaneous. Actually, we need a a careful, methodical approach that's timely, but by time, you know, and bring people along in the long run, you'll get to your objective much quicker. Oh, that's great. And that's so helpful. So I think you guys already touched on this, but do you want to talk about any examples of how you've communicated frequent but regular communication with your constituents? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of opinions about this because... um, (laughs) Our inboxes and our social media networks and our it's and our texting it's just so much noise and so the frame that I've used um, for you know about a decade is results based communication. Do not communicate just for the sake of communicating. Communicate when you have something to say that's of value to the audiences that you're communicating to. And of course, there are instances where you need to buy time and get, you know, and have do the intermediate communication to ensure that you're not radio silent. But being super strategic, I just think the go-to in PR these days is more, 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 faster, more. And I think There's so much clutter in the work that Terry and I have been involved in that's very mission and driven and very strategic. It's really been all about what's the right communication at the right time. I would add, you know, one of the things that I think we really worked on and we were intentional about is not recycling information. It was really important for our organization as an educational organization focused on things that happen for students inside and outside of the classroom. There are a lot of partners involved in making that all work, right? And so instead of retweeting our partner stuff or recycling it, we were really intentional about trying to lift up and feature organizations that partners you're working with within the context of what we were doing together instead of just, okay, let's, you know, reply all or retweet this or reshare it. And just, and super intentional, like Jeannie Marie said about not, not communicating for the sake of communicating because, oh, we haven't said something in a while. Right. Oh, I, I think that's so important to mention. Thank you for sharing that. So many of my listeners, as you both know, are from nonprofits, but there's also ed tech leaders and schools who are listening. How can these organizations think about cultivating loyalty And why is that important, even if they're not looking for donors or funding at the moment? That's a really interesting question. And I love the words you used about cultivating loyalty. I've been over the years in a lot of situations where it's, you know, it's a scarce resource environment, right? There's a small pot of of corporate and foundation and individual donors, or at least a perceived small pot of that of that resource available. And Again, you know, not to be a broken record, but it's that long game kind of intro, that long game kind of strategy, if you will. And I think one one thing that I've really focused on over the years is not looking at an investor or a donor as just that, right? Putting them in that box because it's the relationship is so much more, and often there's so much overlap in terms of the roles and the relationships that you have with different um, investors and donors, whether it be in our case, you know, in some cases we had teachers who were investors in our organizations for 10 years or more. We had corporate partners who were brand new that we were trying to bring further along and cross-pollinating, if you will, those groups and exposing those groups to one another so that they find that kind of shared passion and loyalty. I think those would be some takeaways that I would 
I would share. Yeah, I agree with everything Terry said. I would just, you know, in the simplest terms, never underestimate the power of goodwill and building goodwill and keeping goodwill. Yeah, that's very good advice. Asking for money can be a challenge for anyone, but you make it look so easy. Would you please share how you've been able to foster these relationships with funders and investors to yield such a great impact over the years? What's your secret sauce? (laughs) I don't know that there's a secret sauce. I think that what it is for me is it's all about people want to make an impact. They want to see others succeed. They want to be a part of the solution. And so providing opportunities for that. And then yes, of course, asking them for money and asking them to invest their their treasure, but it's really engaging them more deeply. It's not just sending them appeal. It's not just writing a grant application. It's creating a relationship that they feel good about, that they can engage in, and that they see that they're part of the solution. And there's so many parallels there to to the person in PR where they're not asking for money, but they're asking an editor to expose their uh, readers or their, you know, or their eyeballs that are on on the vehicle to a story and the risk and you feel very vulnerable, but it's about engagement and relationship and, you know, wanting to share something. And so, again, going to those reporters with results-based information or impact-based or engagement-based helps build that, that relationship that you can leverage and and utilize for the good of the organization. Yeah, it always comes down to the people, doesn't it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Jeannie Marie, you shared some of these, but do you have any other engagement practices that you want to share with our listeners that you found to be the most effective and impactful that you want to just a few tips for our listeners? Yeah, I think it's all about the people, what we just said, and being interested and interesting. Um, my The way I have worked um, over the last 20 plus years is that I do truly care about people. And that if I'm going to pick up the phone and make a pitch. I want to know who I'm pitching to. I want to know what drives you, what motivates you. How Do you have a family? Are they okay? Everything good? And so I think to be successful, you need to care and have empathy. Basic, you know, rules of engagement that seem like common sense, but so often we get so transactional and so focused on the next thing and hitting that mark that we forget that really we're all just humans doing a job and caring and having a relationship can just take you so much further than seeing it as a box to check off that you did what you said you were going to do. Couldn't agree more. So do you have any final words of wisdom for our listeners that can help meet any organizational goals that we talked about today? Maybe Terry, do you want to start with that one? Well, I think that, you know, I may have answered that question differently 10 months ago, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but in the environment that we're in, what I think is super important is to not get entrenched, to be open to new ideas, to be open to new ways to engage the folks that you want to become interested and passionate about your mission, you know, whether it's education or other direct service kind of environment, um, being adaptable, I think it is more and more one of the most critical skills you can have in, in communicating and raising money, but really pretty broadly. 
How about you, Jean Marie? You know, I have two things rolling around in my head. One is find the joy in what you're doing. Things are really difficult right now. These are not easy times for people, but find the joy. And I think that's what has kept Terry and I coming back to work for the same organizations and with each other is that we just, I feel like bring joy to the other in how we approach our work. It doesn't mean it's not without challenges and conflict, but we're focused on the joy and the talents we bring and the talents of the team and how we can foster the team to to really like grow their talents. So I'd say find the joy. The other thing that has really stuck with me over the last few years, and I think it's important, no matter your role in any organization, share accountability, share responsibility, and share credit. And if everyone does that, I think the joy is easier to find. Okay, that is the most beautiful way to close this up. Thank you both. That's such great advice. And I think this is a fantastic way to kick off 2021 on a positive note, thinking about finding the joy and going out and getting, building some relationships and making some money, right? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you both so much. It's been a pleasure having you on the show and I hope you'll come back soon. Thanks for for having us, Sarah. And don't forget to grab my free guide to creating a killer case study. Even if you don't have data, we walk you through how to do that. Again, that's available at casestudy.swpr-group.com, casestudy.swpr-group.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and write us a review on iTunes or Spotify or whatever platform you choose to listen to. We will be back with another episode of Build Momentum next week. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a great one. 